This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I'm with Kyrie and KD. I mean, and Brown was my my captain. You know what I'm saying? But when I went in the locker room, it was uh, Kyrie and KD right next to me. That was pretty exciting. And what's your uh, relationship like with LeBron in picking you first? Uh, it was dope. Uh, our relationship is super tight. Uh, you know, he showed love. He picked me with the first pick, um, you know. I ain't get him a win. I feel bad, but, you know, it's still love. So much happening in that clip. Did you see the shirt that Anthony Edwards was wearing? Couldn't really tell. You guys didn't, you didn't see the... Uh, go back? Or you... Go ahead. Just play a little bit of it. I was happy to be in the locker room with Kyrie and KD. I mean, and Brown was my oh, yeah. my mm-hmm. captain. Oh, okay, G. Oh, that's a little Kevin Garnett. I don't know. It just We just saw the letters, the tops of the letters, but it looks like Kevin Garnett... So Garnett tweeting about the Timberwolves last week. Yeah. Now Anthony Edwards wearing a Kevin Garnett shirt. LeBron James picking Anthony Edwards first in the All-Star Game draft last night. Interesting. What are you thinking? Well, I just think that. I mean, something. I think that. Come on. Anthony, I think Anthony Edwards is. Say it. Well, no, I guess what I'm saying is I think Anthony Edwards is the fixer here. That's what I'm yeah, that's what I'm asking. In fact, this is a statements Monday. Uh I, I guess I'll just say it in statements form here. Yeah. Mackie and Judd, Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment, Speculation Therapy. Anthony Edwards has been validated. Not that he needed it. You know, he's out there grinding every night, scoring twenty five points, he's point ant, he's filling box scores, he's contributing to winning, but you got Kevin Garnett talking about culture changers in Minnesota on Twitter last week. And you got LeBron James of all those guys. He could have selected as the captain, right? First overall pick. He picks the guy that was snubbed initially until Steph Curry's injury. Yeah. When LeBron James is sort of anointing you in front of that group of players and national audience, KG's tweeting about culture changes. I think it's time when, when guys like LeBron and KG are validating Anthony Edwards, I think it's time if people aren't on the bandwagon already. This dude, uh, this dude is him, as as they would say. Are you telling me that that you think that there might be in a few years a super team with LeBron, Ant, and Bronny on it? Well, so LeBron has said so. His contract with the Lakers runs for at least one more year after this, and he has purposely aligned his free agency with Bronny's draft class. Yep. Do we know where Bronny is supposed to go at this point? Is he like a lottery pick? I legitimately have no idea. He's a good basketball player. 
I have no idea either. Because the Wolves ain't going to be picking. No, the Wolves might not even have a pick. In the, it depends on what year, because a lot of their picks have gone uh I kind of think he's going to be a lottery pick, right? <laughs> so, you know, LeBron's, I mean, LeBron's going to play on like a veteran's minimum contract, apparently, yeah. to just go play just, with his son. Throwing it out there might be interesting. Ant, Jaden, Bronny, LeBron. An older LeBron. KG back, Jersey in the rafters, maybe consulting Mark in the Lurie, front office. all his payments being made with A-Rod. Or maybe without A-Rod. Uh, yeah. A harmonic really convergence. Sure. A new arena going up downtown. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I just thought it was I thought it was cool that LeBron, LeBron said, hey, it this is. guy right here, this guy who plays all the time, by the way, and this guy who posterizes you know, three defensive players every night, this is my number one pick. He could have picked Hall of Famers. Like surefire right now if they retire Hall of Famers. And he picked Anthony Edwards last night. Well, they they cool. lost the game, so maybe it was a bad draft pick. <laughs> All right. For my first statement, I will take your aunt love, and I will dial it up a notch by making this statement. I'm trying to find the statement sounder here. Oh, is, is that what you're transition. doing? I gave you a second. I didn't know oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, it's right. been a while since I looked right, at man. this particular button. I didn't know if you were like pausing on purpose for me or what. So I just started. I just no, went. I good. bulled through. I bullied right through <laughs> to the basket. My statement about Ant is this. He gets it. And Declan, if you could play the clip, here's why. If there's anything I could change about the league to make it better, probably just all the guys sitting resting. That's the only thing I probably don't like. Um, just play, man. If you, if you, if you, if you. 80% you got to play. I, I don't I don't like all the sitting missing games and stuff like these people. These people might have enough money to come to one game, you know what I'm saying? And it, that might be the game they come to and then you sitting out, you know what I'm saying? So I take pride in trying to play every game cuz I don't know it might be one fan that has never seen me play and I'm trying to play. So I don't that's the only thing I don't like. Uh guys just sitting out. So this kid is 21. And you know what? He might not be all the time for sure the most mature guy off the floor. But for basketball purposes, what he is saying is incredibly, in my opinion, mature, accurate. Like if you think about what it costs, right? Like if if you are if you're a kid in I don't know, say Atlanta, Georgia, and you grew up watching Ant, you know, in college a little bit at the end or something, and you're just a huge Ant fan because that's how basketball works now. And and you and he comes to your building one time. And that's a rest night for him. Yeah. A maintenance night for him. Like, and I get the pushback. Oh, you know, Judd, you're an old man. Guys don't play all games now, blah, blah, blah. But there's a 21 year old kid with a really, really good point. And that is, you are largely there for the fans. The fans, to a certain degree, certainly pay the freight. I think that for him to come out and say that in a gathering with a lot of guys who rest a lot is really mature. And it's a breath of fresh air because I don't think a lot of people get what he just said. And I agree with his point, and I agree with your point, but but what I liked about it the best wasn't necessarily the point that was being made. Mm-hmm. I love that he's a 21-year-old kid still who's probably five years away from being in his prime in a setting, the All-Star game, in which, like I said before, he's around a bunch of Hall of Famers. He's around like Mount Rushmore guys, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, loud, outspoken players with platforms like Kyrie and whoever else, right? Giannis. And he says, hey, this trend that's happening that's being perpetrated 
by Hall of Fame players. Right. I disagree with it. I might only be 21 years old, but I'm confident enough and just sure enough in my thoughts and my process that I'm going to call these guys out on something that I think is stupid. To me, that that's just another sign of him being the alpha of the Timberwolves and maybe at some point being the alpha of the NBA. I mean, he, it's a lot of things have to happen, um, but the more you see of his maturation on the court, off the court in 2023, yep. The more hope you have to have, I know. Like, well, the Wolves gave up all this stuff for Gobert, and but like, what are they going to do? The Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, is all that really matters. This brings up a very intriguing conversation too, because I've had had this uh, discussion before, and it's a little bit hard to articulate. But you know, I think that the reality is this: off the court and away from sports, guys will d- disappoint you. I mean, they're young people, and they're going to do things. But have there are certain guys, and Ant, in my opinion, fits into this, who in the business of his sport is really mature. So, like, he's done things, you know, there's no question his his comments, I think it was last June or J- July, were wrong. He owned up to that. But those were upsetting, and I totally get that. And I'm saying holding him to a standard of, well, I just thought he was a super mature kid might be wrong, Phil. But I find it really intriguing that there are certain guys who are, really understand they're not just smart players, but like their operation off the floor, but as players in thinking in that vein is really impressive. And Ant falls into that bin for me because how many times has he done basketball things or said things about his team or the game where you're like, that was really stupid. I can't think of one. And like you think of, and I don't mean to pick here, but you think of cat, right? Like there's been stuff Cat does, and you're like, what? What are you even doing? I think it's perspective. It's being able to take. Cat has, he's not like the most mature guy. Obviously, you know, eating habits that have kind of come out, or you know, the comments that he made uh, that offended, rightfully so, the gay community, like that you referenced. But he seems to be able to take a step back and kind of survey things, yep. learn from mistakes, soak things in. Perspective. He seems to have a lot of perspective. For a 21-year-old, he seems a little bit wise beyond his years in, in that way. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. He basically shoved it back on the Kawhis and even the LeBrons of the world and said, what you guys are doing is wrong, and here's why. Dex. All right, my first statement. Uh, the winner of NBA All-Star Weekend was not Anthony Edwards. It was not anyone in the regular you know, All-Star game. You know who it was? The biggest winner of All-Star Weekend? Luca Garza. Luca Garza. <laughs> I'm going down this path. All right, so Luca Garza was the uh, MVP of the G League's next up game over the weekend. 23 points, 8 boards, 9 of 16 shooting from the floor. He's actually putting up insane numbers in G League with, with the Iowa Wolves, dude. It's awesome. He's, he's scoring 29 points a game, 63% from the floor, and shooting 50% from three. Yeah. That's insane. Get this dude some minutes well, up he here. he does get minutes. He does yeah. get minutes. He does. Get minutes significantly up here. I don't need you in Iowa anymore. You're baking in Iowa and having fun. Yeah, that's, that's good. You've been here a lot. But no, come back up here full time, take some of this stuff, and be ingrated into this rotation a lot more. That's what I want to see. So he, you, get, you go dominate Iowa, that's fine. Now you're the MVP of the G League game on All-Star Weekend in Utah. The next step is being in Minnesota full time, being part of this rotation full time. Luca Garza, the biggest winner of all. I think weekend. they have so many bigs. Like they've, he's 
at best, he's the fourth guy in, when Cat comes back because they've got Nas Reed still and Rudy Gobert. So it's hard to find a lot of minutes for him. And he's been there's been a couple games where he showed out big time in the NBA, but he's a little bit like a quad A baseball player right now. Or when he goes down, he he's hits Chris like four hundred. Yeah, yep. <laughs> he hits a bomb every night, and then he gets called up, and it's like he strikes out three times. But he did have a double, you know, last hits Tuesday a tray once or in a while. Yeah, <laughs> but he there is some talent there. He was undrafted. They've done the organization, and there's been some different front offices here. But they found Nas Reed off the scrap heap. He was not drafted. Luca Garza and. Like Josh Minot has been also excellent for the Iowa Wolves, and he's shown a couple flashes. So they've got some interesting, even if they don't have a lot of first-round draft picks going forward, they have some interesting young talent. Um, Okay. I've been sitting on this one for a few days here because I was off the show uh, on Friday last week, so this is like three days in the making. That loss to the Wizards last Thursday was was the worst loss of the season. It was awful. What were they doing, for God's sakes? Like, they're up by 20, the game, 20 points early on. Let's just go flatten these guys. But you can't just let Bradley Beal, you can't just think, oh, the game's over. They have Bradley Beal, and that team has actually been one of the hotter teams in the NBA the last couple months or so. So that was just, I don't know if it's like coaching. It kind of feels like there's some Chris Finch stuff here. He's he's a great X's and O's coach at times. But why is the leadership among the coaching staff and on the team, allowing that loss at home to happen going into the All-Star break. Uh, Kyle Anderson even missing a bunch of bunnies against the the zone defense in the second half, too. They just like, they couldn't figure out how to solve it. Maddening. Everything about that loss was pound your head against a brick wall. Uh, frustrating. And it cost them a chance to go three games above five hundred for the first time all season. So just, I know it's like three or four days ago, but that was... That was a disaster loss. What is this team's fear of success? What is this? Every time you're like to, to a point of, okay, I think they're on the right path here. Like it's been a tough season, and I think they're on the right path. Like like you just said. It's weird. And you lose that game. Yeah, it's, I don't know, man. And then, you know, Mike Conley, who I still I still love that trade. But Mike Conley, you can't play 33 minutes and not score. And on the flip side, a lot Actually, of. you can. Well, he did. Yeah, yes. it happened. <laughs> a, a lot of people have also used it to say, like, oh, there he goes. You wanted D'Lo traded for Conley. Well, D'Lo ain't it either. They were losing games like this all the time with D'Lo, too. Uh, at least Mike Conley has a chemistry with, with Rudy Gobert, and he's a professional defensive point guard, too. But um, Mike Conley, dude. And Mike Conley spoke afterwards and said, not that this is an excuse, but I literally haven't slept in three days. I'm trying to get my family settled in or you know whatever so he he needed the All Star break, but okay, you got to come out blazing against the Hornets here in a couple days. I want to see these zero for six, thirty three minute dud performances again from you, guy. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. My next wolf statement is this: the seat should at least be hot for Chris Finch. I am so tired of and 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 the Wizards' loss is just the latest permeation of this season long trend. Of the Timberwolves seemingly losing interest in games that they should win, and at times win decidedly. And how many times, you know, and I I found it odd, but it felt like through the first two months of the season or so, that Finchie would get up to, to the mic, and he never really gets pissed off, and and which is fine. And he would say things like, yeah, I mean, we just have to be tougher. We just have to be a tougher team in the second half. We just have to do this. We just have to do that. Well, okay. 
And I know Cat's not playing, and that is a built-in <laughs> excuse. But all of that being said, it's the NBA. It is now almost March, and you still are having the same exact problems against the same exact opponents. At some point in time, it's not just bad luck that crappy teams way too often beat you. At some point in time, that's just a problem. Yeah. And I'm not saying Chris Finch needs to be fired, but I think we need to look at this. Like, I don't want to see this just become, uh, oh, it was that type of season. When you look at games, like, there are certain games that you should win. And the Wizards at home is a game, especially when you have a lead that you should win. Um, I, I believe it's Charlotte comes here on Friday night. That's a game I expect you to win. And I don't think that that's this, oh, my God, no, they can't. That. Those are the type of games that I think that there is a certain expectation of effort and level of play for four quarters, 48 minutes, that fans and the team should expect. And I don't think Chris Finch gets a pass here. No, I I agree. I I don't think he's like a cancerous problem like Tom Thibodeau became, where he was just divisive and players got sick of his bellowing. I think... Genuinely, I think players like Chris Finch. I think he's a really smart coach. I, I've wondered this on Flagrant Howls with, with our guy Kyle. Is he just like a really good offensive coordinator that needs to be kind of the Robin on a coaching staff? Because huh. they do, they, they keep having these weird lapses in the second half. They keep the fact that the Wizards zone flustered you to that extent in the fourth quarter. You can't figure it out. Really? Like the Wolves have a deep enough team. Go to a different combination. You know, Find a way to get Anthony Edwards some some different looks or something. So I've I've wondered that about him. Is he just a really good offensive coordinator that players like and respect enough, or do they need to get someone else in here? And the name that not that this is like a Hall of Fame. We're not talking Phil Jackson here, but Quinn Snyder would be the obvious option here, right? He was with the Jazz for eight years, essentially during the the Rudy Gobert run. Uh, Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert, so he he knows how to coach that. He, Donovan Mitchell, Anthony Edwards, maybe there's a comp there. There's there's guys like that sitting out there that if you feel like there just needs to be a new voice at some point. I don't think it's a, it's certainly not a midseason change. This would be like an after the season evaluation. The other thing too is so they lost what two games to the Pistons. Mm-hmm. They've lost. They blew a lead to the Hornets. The Wizards are a good team, but they've lost home games to the Magic and the Wizards. Right? There's like. Seven of these head scratching losses for the Wolves. Right. And now and and maybe maybe you have another one if if you keep playing like this on Friday against Charlotte, but when you start to look at the schedule now, after that Charlotte game, they only have one, two, three, four, five, six home games the rest of the season. Seven. Seven home games the rest of the season. They play almost exclusively playoff teams. Mm-hmm. Going forward, there's like maybe three or four games against non-playoff teams, but they've got to play at Golden State. They got to play at desperate Los Angeles teams. They've got to play at Golden State again later on at a Phoenix team that's going to have Kevin Durant ready to rock and roll. So they've, if they wind up like, I don't think they're going to miss the play-in, but if they wind up as like the nine seed instead of the five seed, you're going to look back at games like that Washington game and the Detroit games and just be like, what are we doing? Yep. Why are we doing this? All right. Can I bring you guys a twin statement, actually? I know this is shocking for me to bring sure, uh, maybe a little yeah. optimism twin statement. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I go down this path sure. here? All right. Uh, my statement is no one wants to smoke. So I don't know if you guys saw uh, <laughs> Johan Duran 
bullpen session against Carlos Correa yesterday floating around on Twitter, but he struck him out twice, was pumping 102 miles per hour fastballs, curveballs at 90 miles per hour, and after the at-bat, Correa uh, told the press that, holy crap, welcome back, I guess, basically is what Carlos Correa said uh, after Duran was striking him out. I mean, the Twins have lacked the flamethrowers forever. Duran came up last year, was absolutely dynamite, a breath of fresh air in a bullpen that needs a lot of bullets. And my God, I'm so excited. To, he is probably one of the few players that I'm actually excited to see. I loved watching him in person last year. It's just refreshing for the Twins to actually have a legit flamethrower in the bullpen. And and we're getting closer and closer now. I think we've honestly moved away from just, hey, closers pitch the ninth inning, right? They will not step into the game to the ninth inning. If there's a fire jam, if there's a jam in the seventh or eighth, Bring in Duran. If this is the time to get those outs, bring him in. I'm excited to watch him, uh, what he does in year two, basically, with the Twins here. Because, man, he is pumping so much smoke, and no one can really hit him. And the Twins bullpen is going to use him a lot. It's the hardest-throwing bullpen I think they've ever had. There's like four or five guys that average 97 miles per hour or more on their fastballs. It's ridiculous. And I think Duran averages 101 miles per hour last year on his four-seam fastball. So I get it. I know we did that. We tried to do a twin season preview episode last week, and you guys just, especially Judd, just decided that uh, you're just going to be mad still. I'm not mad. Angry. I rained on the parade, rightfully so. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. I I'm, think I'm resigned. Well, I, I know, but like this, don't you think that there's a difference between what this team looks like on paper compared to like what last year's team looked like going into the season on paper? Like Chris Archer, Dylan Bundy, yeah, you knew I, those guys were going to be four inning starters. Yep, yep. You don't feel a little different than a year ago. I'm excited for baseball, but I'm always excited for baseball right now, and I, I'm trying to keep my feelings about that excitement very separate from the Twins' excitement. But yes, on paper, so what, you're excited to watch like they look good, the Pirates and the no. I'm Padres. excited for a pitch clock. I'm excited for a pitch clock. I'm excited for bigger bases. I'm excited for no shifts. I'm excited for box to be called so <laughs> ma- managers can get thrown out left and right. You're excited for box, yes, to be because called? managers will now be, be thrown out again. It'll be great. I like all the new rule changes. I don't know if we need more box yeah. in baseball. But, but you know what? You I know want? what baseball is missing? Yeah. Will it make it you more exciting? A few more box calls. I never realized this. I miss confrontation. I want. I want confrontation back. Evening, Judd, with a with a headline of basically praising Joe West for calling box. You know, like that. He's retired that, now. Or that's, I what, would. that's what I will see. Poor Joe West is retired now. I miss Joe West. No one. Worst strike. Worst strike zone I've ever seen. Aside of outside of our guy Angel Hernandez, they should name. You know how we name robots after people and like systems after people. Can we name the new? It's going to be here in like two years, probably. Major League Baseball is going to have an electronic strike zone. Can we just call it the West, oh, or do th- we call it the on the uh, the Angel? Oh, I think it's got to be. I think it's got to be the latter. I think it has to be the Angel. I believe the CB. I believe we are going to get a electronic strike zone um, preview this summer in St. Paul. I think the Saints are, are one of the ballparks that are going to have it. What are we so scared of? They've had the technology for 20 years. They've been putting K-zones on Work broadcast. the kinks out. Work the kinks out. Get it going. Oh, have we figured out how to adjust for the height of a battery yet? I know that was the well, big concern baseball, like 10 years ago. They actually will screw this up, hopefully, though. But again, it'll cause confrontation. I, I just want more confrontation again. I know you have twin statements in the bag, so you go next. Uh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, oh, the glasses are going yep, on. Yep, yep. Because um, this statement, this statement brought to you by today's Star Tribune. Because I just looked at this from Jim Suhan's column, Dateline, Fort Myers, FLA. Okay, 
I'm just going to read you the first graph, and uh, my state my statement is this: This is why I am leery. Byron Buxton reported to Twins camp last week. In his first on-field appearance of the spring, he walked to left field at the Lee County Sports Complex and, wearing a long brace on his right knee, ran medium speed in 90-foot bursts, mimicking a base runner's motions in front of Nick, you're going to love this, Paparesta, the Twins' new head athletic trainer. His name is Nick, P-A-P-A-R-E-S-T-A. Why is he wearing a knee brace? Uh, exactly, that that was going to be my first point. Um, well, we I mean we know he's got a chronic problem. He's got a chronic chronic. But they've bad never knee. said that. No, no, they came out. I believe it was Rocco came out last June and said it's a chronic problem because that was the first time that we got the word okay. chronic actually dropped in. But my point is, you know, if Byron Buxton is healthy and can play, or hell, if he can play 120 games. I like the Twins' chances a lot more. Michael A. Taylor is finally the type of guy that you should have behind Buxton, but he's not Buxton. Um, And the less that Buxton can play center field, like if he's DHing more or something like that, it's going to diminish his value, which is why I told you I am leery. I am leery before I get too excited. But let's not ignore the fact the head athletic trainer's name is Papa Rasta. That's a great, it is a great Greek. I'm assuming he's Greek, right? Well, right, but I mean, is that not a guy that Rocco would love? Hey, Papa Resta, who do we rest today? Uh, I actually, I was looking at some photos this morning from, I think it's full squad workouts here now, right? Because it's uh, pitchers and catchers reported on like Friday, and so I think everyone's down there. Yeah, everyone is down because it's a picture including Royce Lewis and Paul Molitor. Yeah. And my statement is, no. the Twins have an incredible ability to make awkward situations somehow not awkward. Guardian Terry getting blown out, you know, 10 years ago, and then they're just like, Terry's just back in the press box the next year, working for the Phillies, saying hi to everyone. Guardy comes back for events and stuff. Paul Molitor unceremoniously dumped on his ass for, because, you know, the front office had their views on, player usage and in-game strategy. And Paul Molitor said, no, I use my, I'll look at your analytics, but I use my analytics, which are my brain and 50 years of baseball playing and coaching and everything. Uh, And they dumped him on his ass. He's just like still working for the organization. He's out there working with Royce Lewis and infielders and base running, working for Rocco. Does any other organization do this? Fire people. And then like five minutes later, they're just kind of back hanging out like, oh, sure. Like, Come help you guys. So I, I think teams that, that have probably had falling out with star players eventually get those guys back. But I can't remember, or I don't know of a team that brings more guys they flat out fired back. It's insane. I know it's insane. And I think they. I think I saw a note in Shooter a couple of weeks ago that they're now trying to actually hire Guardy to a position <laughs> in the organization. Oh my god! <laughs> and that's fine because Guardy has a lot. Guardy has decades of baseball experience. It's just kind of funny how. I don't know these guys. I, maybe it's something I, I should I shouldn't laugh at. I should envy that there's just never any hard feelings. You can get fired and dumped on your ass and just yeah. When's Twins Fest? I'll be there. Yeah. Sometimes don't you think it's best <laughs> though just to part ways? But you can't fully. That, that's the thing about Mahler. It's like Mahler is, yeah. is a Minnesotan. He I mean, lives here. Guardy he takes after, his kids to Twins games and stuff. You fired Guardy after years. <laughs> I, I, I was fine with that. Bye, Guardy. It's been great. Thank you. 
Gardy also still lives in the Twin Cities. His isn't his son still managing, or did, did oh, Toby get blown is. out? No, okay. he's still, he's the AAA guy. I think Gardy's got the house in Oklahoma as well, right? He's got he's got something I think down south as well because he doesn't winter here. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Doesn't he's, winter here. He's not. Yeah, who winters here? Who doesn't have to? Uh, any other final twins statements uh, from you guys before we move on to the wild uh, portion of the proceedings here? Uh, no, I'm good on twins. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Dex, I'll let you fire the uh, Mr. Graphic Master here. It is a Mackie and Judd statements Monday, the Minnesota Wild. You guys were sounding the alarm, Mm -hmm. and then they went and won two straight games. So, Judd, we'll we'll let you lead off here on the Wild portion of the proceedings. Okay. Um, keep, Keep the alarm going. Keep the alarm going. All right, so Dallas on Friday night. Dallas Stars are in first place in the Central Division, but Dallas, just to be very clear, is a weird team. In overtime and three-on-three and shootouts, they've got something like one win all season. They cannot win if the game goes extra time, but if I'm not mistaken, the Wild won that game 2-1, to which means they really scored one goal. I believe it was a power play goal. Yesterday against the Predators, the Wild did miraculously score four goals, three even strength. But the Predators, with Nino and with Granlund, actively are paying tribute to their former team because the Nashville Predators are the answer to what the Wild used to be, which means we'll show up for a while, and then we won't care, and then we will furiously rally back, which they did with less than a minute left when Nino scored, only to then give up another goal uh, that gave the Wild a 4-3 win. But I am not going to turn the alarm off and you know what remarkably the wild and timberwolves i feel like this season are similar in the sense that the level of consistency like every time you think that there's been a corner turned right like this is the corner it's turned a level of consistency is now achieved something happens and it comes derailed in the wilds case flat out beyond kaprizov they just lack guys that can score goals but do not turn the alarm off. Two consecutive wins is nice. They're in a playoff spot, but they are very much a fringe playoff team at best. Okay, I'm actually going to piggyback off this. Go for it. The Wild are always the same team. <laughs> <laughs> for like 15 years. They're just there's been some different iterations and obviously the the you swap out a coach and players and stuff, but <laughs> They're usually fighting on the fringes of a playoff bracket. They usually have trouble scoring goals consistently, with the exception of like one line. There's like one line that can score goals, and then the other three lines are trying to figure out how to score. And then uh, sometimes they make it, sometimes they don't. But either way, they're destined to be golfing in early May. Like that is the wild for 20 years. And I leave out the first five years a little bit because that those teams, the DNA of those Jacques Lemaire early teams. They were scrappy, underdog, kind of, you know, fighting for their position in the NHL. But basically, since they started landing big-time players, Parisi, Suter, so go back, you know, 10-plus years, it just feels like they've been the same kind of middle-of-the-pack team. They're not terrible. 
They're not going to be an embarrassment. They're going to be entertaining enough to put people in the arena, put 18,000, 20,000 people in. But at the end of the day, you can pretty safely book a tea time for like May 18th. They're sort of Vikings like in some ways. Yeah. There's a because they're not terrible. There's right? something right. about this entire city and state that just like the teams all feel the same lately. The last five or ten years. No, I, I, you know what? Bang on, Phil. You are exactly right. <laughs> this is the same. Team. Always the same. You're team. right. I <laughs> would say outside of last year, perception wise, and the first year of Boudreaux, because both those teams got off to good starts. They look like they had enough ingredients to make a run. And then they were unceremoniously bounced in the right. first round. But the playoffs, playoffs get here, and we're right. like, oh, what are we going to do? Yeah, it's the, the playoffs. In the 30,000-foot view, Phil is right. They're, they're at 70% still to make the postseason. The West, after the wildcard teams, is kind of bad. Like, the non-playoff teams in the West are bad. So I, I think the Wild will still find themselves in that one of those two wildcard spots. They'd have to really hit the tank uh, for that not to happen. Calgary but, could get them. But Calgary might... They can. They might be able to get them, but after that, there's just like yeah. five teams, like Chicago, Arizona. There are some really bad teams. Well, if you could get Patrick Kane from Chicago, then that'd be nice. Put, put that, it yeah, I, would, I wouldn't hate I'm that either. Not doing that. Okay. All right, my statement. Uh, the Wild are open for business. So on Friday, right, Judd? Friday night. Friday. I'm a, I'm a couple seltzers in, and Judd sends me a little uh, text message during the third period. Hey, uh, there's some rumblings going on that uh, the Wild might be in on a trade. And I said, Oh, really? Interesting. So I start doing some, you know. Half drunken research. R-O-R. I was like, you know, I was like, all right. You know, what, is Kalen Addison going to be on the movie? Got scratched again. Uh, are, are they going to get Ryan O'Reilly? Mm-hmm. And go figure. And classic. I, I talked about this with Judd on Judd's Hockey Show on Saturday, Phil. In amazing clickbait fashion, the Wild PR team put out a release the moment the game ended on Friday saying, we have made a three-team trade. Link. N- n- nothing else that says what's in the uh, in the tees. Just, we have made a three-team People trade. People call you a clickbait. Oh. Minnesota Wild PR. They learned from Declan. My guy Jackson's Daniel. You know, all you guys are doing really good. No, good work. I'm I'm really impressed with all your guys' work. Name dropper. Uh, But they acquired Ryan O'Reilly for all of five seconds and then flipped him to Toronto, took on 25% of the salary, basically bought themselves a fourth-round pick in 2025, right, Judd? I think 2020. Toronto's fourth-round pick. Three drafts, two drafts from now. And now they're facilitating these trades. So the Wild have a bunch of cap space to use at the trade deadline. Your your space expands. However, because those buyouts, once the league year ends, they're going to be back to basically kind of this ground zero awkward mode. So rental players, you're saying they're open for business they're for rental players. Yes. To open, take on salaries. Ba- yeah. Long-winded way of saying they're open for business for taking on contracts. I don't think they're going to buy, basically. I think they're going to even potentially maybe sell a piece if they can, but then also be open for business to be this facilitator of these trades. I, w- I was literally getting a little excited when, when the Ryan O'Reilly rumors started popping up a little bit, and I was like, man, this could actually spark some interest, but are they still going to be good enough? What are they going to have to give up? But now after watching what Bill Guerin did there, and I know it was still a little head-scratching to a lot of fans of why they even do this, uh, but they're open for business on making more similar-like trades. I wouldn't be surprised if another one kind of goes down between now and the deadline. When When's the first time Matt Dumba's name came up like was it three years ago? Because oh, yeah. I remember there being this. He was. He was. It looked five years ago. It looked like he was on track to be this franchise centerpiece superstar, a goal scoring defenseman, right? Yep. And then Power injuries, play. and now he's just like. Is there even any interest? No. no. Should they no. have traded him three years ago when yes. the rumbling started? They should. What well, they probably should. Have, they should have traded him last summer. I think you probably could have gotten something half decent last summer. 
Yeah. His, his value has gone completely but, in the gutter this season. Just to be clear about that, though, if if they had, and I don't disagree with Dex, they probably should have, that doesn't mean that they could have kept Fiala because no, that contract was going to be so much more. Yes. But yes, they, well, I don't think anybody could have seen what was coming with D- Dumba, which is, I mean, he's just, as far as I'm concerned, fallen off the map. He's not even that old, right? No. He's not even 30 years old. He can't shoot anymore. I, I mean, I guess you should have seen, seen this a little bit because of the uh, the fight he got in with uh, Matt Kachuk, then of the Calgary Flames. He's never been the same since. His his arm is never, the strength has not come back. And then he got in that stupid fight against the Predators last year where he got hurt really badly, and or he blocked a shot. I forget. But anyway, yeah, he is uh, he is a guy that they're probably going to hmm. un- unload, my guess, is for next to nothing. Hmm. Mm. All right, back to Judd. Okay. Actually, your next statement is presented oh. by the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show, mm-hmm. where you and I, De- Declan's going to try and get I, out of town. I, I, I don't know at this point. Yeah, you I might, be, with might be at the golf show now. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> You're welcome. Just trudging through the skyways yeah. to try and get to that golf show. Bad mood. But, uh, Judd, you and I are going to hang out. We're going to do, we're calling it on both Friday and Saturday, a Purple Daily Town Hall Q&A. We just want if you're if you're a listener of Mackie and Judd or Purple Daily, we're going to talk Vikings at the Minnesota Golf Show inside Hall B of the Minneapolis Convention Center Friday at two o'clock, Saturday at two o'clock. We're going to hang out, take your questions. We'll record it for podcast. Uh, drink a couple adult beverages. Come hang out. Tickets ordinarily are twelve dollars, but you can use the promo code Purple to get into the Minnesota Golf Show for eight dollars. MinnesotaGolfShow.com and those tickets include like. I think it's like 14 rounds of free golf. Oh, yeah. A bunch of other uh, just great experiences and perks as well. So come hang out with us. Let us know. Tweet at us, at Phil Mackey, at Jay Zilgad, if you do plan on coming. And, um, yeah, we'll come and uh, talk some Vikings and maybe put a nine iron in Judd's hands and see what happens. Oh, Oh, a lot of bad stuff. I I got a brand new driver in the mail on Saturday, and I was at my buddy's house where it got shipped to. He works at, right by a golf course, and uh, speaking of being a couple seltzers in, I popped a couple of those balls into the backyard, and I am very excited to golf. I want to take, I might just bring the club to the golf show if I end up going. Oh, that'll be you know, good. I mean, I had an experience, so I went to, before we uh, made the trek from Seattle to Minneapolis, I went to, it's called the Inner Bay Golf Center, just down the street, where you can, it's like a, it's like a top golf, but not really where you can aim at things. There's there's like track mans in every station. You can drink seltzers, beers, whatever you want to. And um, Dex, you and I have talked about this. I tried to fix my swing like three years ago. I wanted to get more leg in my golf swing Mm -hmm. to just become a better player. And I wound up not practicing enough, but I got, so I like moved away from my old swing, but didn't get the feel for my new Mm. swing. And then I just got caught with the shanks. Oh, no. So I'd go and I'd try to straighten it out, go get a lesson. But like you have to devote yourself if you're you going to change your swing. Yeah. Mm. So I don't know. I had, I went to the driving range and took a lesson. This is back in like probably July or August. And one of the guys that was giving me a lesson literally said, okay, we're going to start over. Yep. So I want you to work on treat every club like it's a putter for now and just make contact, like pull the club back 12 inches, follow through 12 inches, work on that. Interesting. And so I started doing that, but then life got in the way and stuff. So my swing was like a broken mess starting from zero. And I didn't pick up a club for six months Oof. until two weeks ago. 
And I had the best 30-minute rain session of my life, dude. Oh, this guy of was... my life. Well, you know what? Go out on a high note. That's what I'm thinking. This I guy was ne- trying to I tell you never to retire. Again. Oh like God. he literally was treating you like you were five. I know, but but I but I, right, I gave just, myself a six-month... Yeah, I just right. stopped golfing for six I'm just months. I'm saying, take that to your grave. And now I'm hitting the ball, at least in that one like yep. 30 or 60-minute you know session, as well as I've ever hit the ball in my life. Don't tempt fate now. Take Just it to your grave. Piping. That's your last. That session should be your last ever adventure with clubs. It won't be, though. That's the problem. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. Back to I Joe. Know. All right. Uh, here's my next wild statement. Stop it already. The treatment of Kalen Addison. Okay? Oh, you stole one of Macadac's statements. The treatment of Kalen. Kalen's now been scratched, the, uh, the young defenseman, for three consecutive games. As Alex Goligoski who according to some, they think that Bill Guerin and company are trying to showcase him to trade him, but he has a full no-trade clause. and He and, sat for 30 games. And like he's an old man. Oh, look, uh, yeah. look at this guy. Who, but, who wants to give up three first-round picks? But All right, here's my problem with this. The Minnesota Wild is not good enough. They're not in a position where it makes sense to literally bench a young player because that's one guy who you're like, well, you're not playing well enough. First of all, he's a power play specialist. He's good at that. Second of all, yes, he's not great. But you've got Brodeen. He's great. Spurgeon. He's uh-huh. great. Dumba's not. Exactly. And you benched him for two games. And that one I got, Kalen Addison needs to play. Now, if you were a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, I might be like, okay, I don't love this, but I get it. But... Unless this kid is not part of your future, and if he's not, I guess my question is why? But unless you just think he stinks and he has basically, he's not going to be here, stop this and stop playing Alex Goligoski, who again got caught yesterday. I mean, he's an old man. And plus, he's here on a retirement contract. This is what drives me nuts. Did he play with Bill Guerin? Yes, he played with Bill Guerin. But here's what Goligoski's thing is now. He's supposedly frustrated. I mean, Declan and I talked about this playing out this exact same way when Goligoski got the contract extension last year. We're like, he's not going to play much. He's at home. He's from Grand Rapids. His wife and kids are here. This is a retirement job. You pay me that much not to work, I'll give Bill Guerin a big kiss on the lips. I'd be so happy. I don't, I don't, that. I don't need to see this guy playing because yeah. Dean... Everson loves guys that work hard. I think what's fun, I get, and Put I get, get back in. I get the defensive side of it. Like that is your primary job. So the not to like exonerate him, but this was going to be one of my. St- I'm glad you jumped in with this. A guy like Kalen Addison, <clears throat> according to the hockey expert on the show, Phil Mackey, should never be benched for a 37 year old yes. who's been sitting for 30 days. In fact, Kalen Addison actually leads the Wild in power play assists. He's not obviously he's, he's not he's not a trigger play. man, but like yes, he is incredible at setting the table despite some of the deficiencies he's also i think he's like sixth on the team in point shares this season so even with the deficiencies uh he's like ninth but he's been a good rotational player for you um i have one more wild one for you and maybe declan has one too here but along the lines of like who should be playing and who shouldn't my statement is gustafson is objectively without any argument, my statement. a better goalie than Fleury at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys tell me, like, you guys have, have much more eye test to put to this than I do this season, but 
if you just look at, let's just take a step back. Let's look at the statistics. The basic ones, goals against average. There's almost a one goal difference between the two. Yeah. Gustafson's averaging a 2.1 goals against. Fleury is three, almost on the nose. Okay, what about adjusted goals against? It's still just as bad when you include some of the context and get into the analytics. It's three for Fleury. It's 2.2 for Gustafson. So I get that you're not just going to, you know, just based on dynamics and everything, you're not just going to run him out there for every single game. But am I missing something here? I mean, he is objectively your best goalie, right? No, yeah, he is. Uh, all, all aboard the Gus bus. All aboard that Gus bus, basically. <laughs> uh, and this is where like, I, I loved this straight at the start because I kind of thought, all right, they're going to get rid of Cam Talbot. His wife said those things. And also, it was really his agent that really doubled down. the, 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 the all, they, they had all idea to roll with the Talbot flurry rotation up until his agent then dropped the dumb comments at the draft and Bill Guerin traded him five seconds later. Uh, but Gustafson was acquired here to basically be the backup, not just a 1B, a backup to Marc-Andre Fleury, who's hockey royalty, and Gustafson, who's making chump change. I think he's making basically close to league minimum salary. Which is great. Yeah, because overspending for goaltending in the NHL is crippling on a, on a hard salary cap, which the league has. Uh, so Jesper Walstead is in Iowa, and he looks like he's going to be the future goalie of for years to come for Wild fans, which will make life a lot easier. They're just bridging this gap until Jesper Walstead is here. And if Philip Gustafson like, continues to play very well, great problems to have, right? You're, you could have two... 1A goalies, I don't see Gustafson all of a sudden being like this Vesna candidate, which he has been he has been playing to, up to that level, but I don't think he's going to be one of the five, ten best goaltenders in the league, which his stats have suggested he has been over the last few months. But this is good news for the Wild. Like If they had no goaltending plan, like if Fleury was eroding and Gustafson clearly was that backup and was 1B, we, the Wild should be bailing from, from the start by the trade deadline, but Gustafson's keeping them in a lot of games. And I still... I'm getting closer to thinking that Gustafson will likely would start a playoff game, but I just don't trust this regime enough that I don't think they would. I think they would still start Flurry because he's Flurry. That that's where I'm at. Even though Gustafson's outplaying him, I mm. think they would still give it to Mark Andre Flurry, Jen. Oh boy, I will say this: um, it's a long season. Guys go through ups and downs, but I'm going to tell you right now: I think that those two points that that they basically lost by not starting Gustafson last week against the Avs. In a game in which Fleury gave up uh, three goals on the first nine shots, I think that those lost points against a team they're directly competing with are going to come back to bite them right in the behind. Those are going to be two huge points because they played a better game. They should have won that game, and they lost in regulation because the Flower had an awful game. Uh, here's another one. This is just looking at some of the, the stats relative to the rest of the league here. Who would you guys, who, who, what's the goalie award? Vesna. The Vesna? Yeah. Jennings goes to the team with the best goals against. Is it fair to say that Linus Allmark is in the mix to win the Vesna this year? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Boston's got a good tandem, too, with him and Jeremy Swayman. He's leading the league in uh, goals against average, save yeah. percentage. He's got the most win. He's, he's, the Bruins are 28 and 4 when yeah. Linus Allmark starts a game. Mm-hmm. Now, you tell me how much stock you put into this one here, but. Um, a number of years ago, like 15 or maybe 10, 15 years ago, Rob Volman from Hockey Prospectus, an old mm-hmm. friend of the uh, 6 o'clock Mackey show back in the day, like 10 years ago on 1500 ESPN, he created uh, quality starts, which is starts with a safe percentage above average save percentage for the year. Yep. Um, so it's it's kind of year by year it, it changes, but... 
Linus Allmark leads the NHL in quality start percentage. Gustafson is second. <laughs> Interesting. In the entire league behind only the guy that might be the best goalie in the NHL right now. Right. So I'm not saying he's on that level, but... Just really interesting how this whole thing has kind of flipped in the last five months. Yeah, and with the way that the schedule is now, which is actually a pretty good schedule of games like th- throughout the uh, course of this homestand where it feels like they're playing every other day now, it's not hard to stick with one guy. Mm-hmm. Like they play again tomorrow night. So it's not like, oh, my God, back-to-back games. Yeah. So I don't think Flurry should start again until you absolutely have to. Yeah. Because these games are too important. And again, that Colorado, that's a huge loss. Interesting. Or any other wild takes from you guys here? Judd's Hockey Show, you can find more where that came from. Oh, I got one for you. The wild, the best center in wild history was traded. Ryan O'Reilly spent 15 (laughs) seconds here, and I'm going to tell you right now, all due respect to Miko Koivu and that number nine that mistakenly hangs from the rafters at the X. (laughs) Ryan O'Reilly is the best player to ever grace the wild roster. And before you tell me he didn't, Marcus Foligno had to be transitioned to the long-term IR to clear cap space for O'Reilly's contract to go on the wild book. So he was a member of the franchise and is a 25% one now and is the best center in franchise history. Wow. What's his number? Number 80? According to Google Images, number 90. 90. 90? He's, yes, he wears Do 90. the Wild have a number 90? No. I think you got to retire his jersey. Throw it up in the rafters, Put baby. Put it right up there. Why he not? Best Wild He was here for 12 minutes. Ever. <laughs> 12 seconds. I don't care. He was on the roster. That's they had to clear room for him. Yep. R-O-R. Right. You guys can find plenty of, uh, wh- when's the deadline? This week? March, March 3rd. 3rd. March yeah, 3rd. So you got less than two weeks, week and a half. Dex will be back in time. I hope. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Plenty of wild speculation over on Judd's Hockey Show. Also, uh, so Kyle is on vacation during the NBA All-Star week here, but we might mix in uh, just kind of a bonus episode of Flagrant Howls this week. We got you covered with those two. And then Purple Daily. Don't forget to check out Purple Daily for off-season Viking speculation as well. See you guys tomorrow. I'm Mackie and Judd.